What is going on, Charger fans? Welcome to another episode of the Locked On Chargers podcast. I'm your host, David Drogemeyer, alongside Daniel Wade and John Kegley, as always. And uh, on the last show, guys, we talked about the uh, NFL Top 100, and we're going to continue on with that, uh, with this show, talking about some of the guys that were lower on uh, down the list, and uh, possibly a couple of guys that we think that got snubbed that should have represented the Chargers on the list. Daniel, what's going on with you, man? Not too much, man. Guys, after we went over the, the first three players for the Chargers on the top 100, we heard something from Rich Eisen. I mean, not that I listen to Rich Eisen very much, but it was kind of cool to see him kind of reinforcing the points we made about Phillip Rivers and how low he is on the list. And he was basically saying it was a crime how low Phillip Rivers is on the NFL's top 100 and basically gave every guy he thinks ahead of him that shouldn't be there saying that if Philip Rivers was in the top five it would be more appropriate than where he ended up on the list. John I mean I think you have to agree with Rich Eisen and his assessment because I mean I don't know about you but there's definitely a couple guys on the list that were higher than him that had no business being higher than him just based on stats uh, like I mean for or just availability like I I talked about last time Deshaun Watson Deshaun Watson has no business being on this list at all, let alone being ranked ahead of Phillip Rivers. It's just a travesty, and I think Rich Eisen you know, hammered that point home. I absolutely agree, and some of those guys that you see on there are also not the greatest leaders of the team as Phillip Rivers is, or as consistent as Phillip Rivers is year in and year out without his regular cast of players or the same head coach, and yet he's getting no respect at all from the players in the NFL. And when you think of a guy who is literally playing with sometimes fourth stringers because everyone gets injured, or a guy who's playing with a head coach who is really conservative like Mike McCoy and yet is still able to put up the numbers he puts up and is only the 13th best QB in the NFL top 100, I mean, someone's getting robbed here. Yeah, no question about it. Uh, I think that's clear. But let's move on from Philip Rivers. I think uh, – you know, I, I can speak for all three of us when I say that we could talk about him all, all, all show, but uh, thus the show must go on. So uh, the next guy on the uh, NFL Top 100 uh, comes in at number 41, and that is the comeback player of the year, KA13, Keenan Allen. And Keenan Allen balled out last year, guys. He's the eighth-ranked receiver on the list. Played 16 games, over 100 catches, 102 catches to be exact, 1,393 yards, and that's a 13.7 yard average, which is crazy. Uh, one of the, the best stats that I loved about Keenan Allen is that 73% of the time he was catching a first down, or he was making a first down with his play. So uh, that is uh, pretty incredible, and uh, I think, honestly, he should be a little bit lower on this list, but... I'm okay with 41. What do you guys think? Yeah, I'm okay with 41. I think the bigger issue I have is just where he ranks amongst his peers. And I think some of these guys, especially just right away looking at it, when you see Tyreek Hill right ahead of him at 40, I I know Tyreek Hill is a complete football player. He's not just a receiver. He does dramatically increase their return game in the Kansas City special teams. And he's a dynamic player, but... I don't think his stats are anywhere near Keenan Allen's stats, and I don't think he is consistent enough to be ahead of Keenan Allen because 
of what you said. I mean, he gets almost five first downs a game. He's always going to keep the chains moving for your team. And I think with the 13.7 yards per catch average, I think that shows you that he's not just a guy who's catching the ball short and getting three or four yards at a time, which is sometimes what he's labeled as and as just a possession receiver. But he was actually fourth in receivers in yards after the catch, which is also really good. And we, we saw how explosive he can be in the open field. And the other guy on the list, guys, that really bothered me is A.J. Green being ahead of him. And that's because I know A.J. Green is the name. He's the first-round pick. He's the guy that's talked about more. But when you're talking about what he's doing on the football field, I just think that pales in comparison to what Keenan Allen provides for the Chargers. I mean, A.J. Green had only 75 catches on 143 targets. And I know Andy Dalton's throwing him the ball, so that's not all his fault. But when you're catching only half of your targets, it's hard to say that you're a great receiver, a top four receiver as he is in this case. And I think when, I mean, 75 catches, yeah, he has eight touchdowns. That's more of his game, a red zone target. But I just, I think he's getting placed based on his name and not on his play. And that's what bothers me about that because Keenan Allen really leapfrogged his way into the conversation of elite wide receivers this year. And you can't take that away from him just because he doesn't have the name and the pedigree of some of these guys. The one knock I could see on him is obviously just the injuries. He hasn't played that much. He hasn't put together back-to-back productive seasons. And I think really at the end of the day, that's what hurts him here. So I understand that part of it. But Keenan Allen definitely deserves to be on this list. He definitely deserves to be one of the highest chargers on this list, John. And I don't have a, a huge problem with where he's at as far as on the top 100 players in the NFL. Yeah, I would agree. I don't disagree with him being 41, but as you mentioned earlier, it's where he ranks above the other wide receivers. Like, why is Adam Thielen above Keenan Allen when, yeah, Adam Thielen had a great season, but he also had Stephon Diggs on the other side of him, who is also on the NFL top 100. So you have two guys on the same team, the NFL Top 100, one of them's bound to have a great stat line. Whereas Keenan Allen has Tyrell Williams, Travis Benjamin. I mean, none of those two guys are even thought of to be in the NFL Top 100, yet he's still putting up the numbers he has. And some of the guys that he didn't even beat out this year, like Odell Beckham Jr., and a lot of people are going to say, yeah, but he was injured last year, but this was voted on by the players, and most of the players are going to vote for a name over what it was like last year. And if you're going to go, hey, who's the greatest wide receiver in the league right now, you're going to think either Julio Jones, Odo Beckham Jr., or even maybe DeAndre Hopkins. But you're not going to say, or even Antonio Brown, but you're not going to say Keenan Allen firsthand. But yet people still rank Keenan Allen above Odo Beckham Jr. It's still a pretty amazing feat in my opinion. But I think, guys, he should be ranked ahead of an A.J. Green because, you know, A.J. Green's a guy that's going to go up and get it. You know, he's known for the guy who's going to, you know, uh, just out jumping for the ball. I think Keenan Allen's more of a complete receiver. I think he can do it all. I think he can go over the middle. I think he can do the slants. I think he can go out, go deep and out jump you. I think he's a smooth route runner. I think nobody's better than him off the jump. You know, from the line, his release is insane. Uh, I, just, I just don't think he gets the respect he deserves, and I think a lot of that has to do with the injury history. If he goes back again this year and balls out and puts together another season that resembles the one he did last year, then I think they're going to have no 
choice but to put some respect on Keenan Allen's name. It's going to be hard, too, for him to actually beat last year because he was already fourth in the league in receptions, third in the league in yards, and 26th in the league in touchdowns. People are going to say, well, 26 isn't that great. But when you figure how many guys have the same amount of touchdowns as he does and how many guys in front of him have the same amount of touchdowns, he's really tied for like fifth or sixth as far as the numbers go. So to beat that season is going to be pretty amazing in and of itself. And if he beats last year's season, he better be like top 20. It's time to talk about something that nobody really likes to talk about if you're a guy. And that's spicing up the game in the bedroom. And that's what we're bringing you today is BlueChew.com. BlueChew.com brings you the first chewable tablet with the same FDA-approved active ingredients as Viagra and Cialis. So you know they work. You can take them anytime, day or night, even on a full stomach. And since they're chewable, they work up to twice as fast as a pill. So you can be ready whenever the opportunity arises. Blue Chew is prescribed online and shipped straight to your door in a discreet package. So no in-person doctor visits, no waiting in line at the pharmacy, and best of all, no more awkward talks. Because that really is the worst part. They're made in the USA. And since Blue Chew prepares and ships direct, they're cheaper than a pharmacy. Locked On Chargers today has a special offer for our listeners. When you visit BlueChew.com, you will get your first shipment free. When you use our special promo code LOCKEDON. That's BlueChew, B-L-U-E, Chew.com and put in the offer code LOCKEDON and you'll only pay $5 for shipping. Alright guys, there's no time to waste. Get to it now. Go to BlueChew.com. Put in Locked On for the promo code. BlueChew is the better, cheaper, faster choice. All right. Next guy on the list, a 23-year-old young man that just blew up, guys. I mean, second year in the league. Had a, a great rookie season, but uh, came back to show that his game is for real. And Of course, I'm talking about the man, number 99, Joey Bosa coming in at number 37 on the NFL Top 100 list. And, you know, he was ranked the eighth ranked edge rusher uh, on this list. 70 tackles last year, guys. 12 and a half sacks. That was seventh in the league. Four forced fumbles, fourth in the league. Uh, so Joey Bosa, Mr. Do-It-All, uh, I think he's only going to get better. And uh, I think uh, this guy uh, has a true skill set that is going to mature as he gets older, and he's just going to get even better, man. He, and it's scary how good he is now, Daniel. Just imagine what he's going to be in a year or two. And that's what we were looking for this year was just a progression as opposed to a regression. We didn't want him taking a step back. You didn't want to see a sophomore slump. And when you look at his stats across the board, you can see that he basically improved in every metric. And the one thing that he didn't do was tackles for loss. He was actually number one in the NFL as a rookie in the limited amount of games that he played. He wasn't this year, but I think a lot of that comes down to just the weak interior of the Chargers' defense. They were running the ball at him, and they knew there was no defensive tackle that could make them pay. And I think they tried to take him out of the game in that way. But I think one of the bigger things that he improved on was stripping the quarterback, not only just sacking the quarterback. He only had one in 2016 as a rookie, and in 2017, he got all the way up to four forced fumbles, like you said, David. And I think 
it's not by chance. It's not a fluke that he's getting those numbers. And I, I think when you see the type of work he puts in, in his hands, the work he does with his hands and all the training he does, I mean, it all makes sense. He's on the game-breaker type of defensive level. And like you said, he's only 23. And if, when you just look at his numbers, I mean, compared to some of the guys ahead of him, I don't know why, guys, he isn't getting the credit he deserves. I mean, when you see guys like Vaughn Miller and Khalil Mack ahead of him, I know that they're big names. I understand that. But their seasons didn't get to anywhere near what Joey Bosa did. I mean, he had more sacks than both of them. He had more forced fumbles than both of them. Him and Khalil Mack were about the same in their tackles, and he had way more tackles than Vaughn Miller did. I know these guys are at the top of their position, and they have been for some time, but this isn't the first year we've seen out of Joey Bosa. I mean, he's basically played, what, 26 games? And he's put—he's already breaking records for the fastest 20 sacks in NFL history and breaking other records, I mean, all the Chargers records for getting sacks in early in your career. And so I just, to see what he's done, guys, I think he deserves to be higher up on this list. The guys ahead of him are deserving to be on this list. But I think Joey Bosa is all the player that Von Miller and Khalil Mack are, as well as other guys like Everson Griffin and Calais Campbell. I think he's right there with those guys, and I think you could put those guys in any other order, and I'd still be okay with him being at the top of it if that's where he ended up, John. I would agree, but at the same time, it's scary to think about where he's going to be next year because last year he was ranked number 100 in the NFL Top 100, and now look how far he's progressed just in one season. Could you imagine where he could be next season? It's it's pretty scary to think that he could probably be the top 10 player last year if you think about the scale in which he's moving up the NFL top 100 right now. But but when you watch him on film, he literally is pushing people into the quarterback like it's nothing. It's like watching him push one of those little tackle dummies at practice just to warm up, and yet he's doing this to an NFL offensive lineman like they're a rag doll. And not many guys in the NFL can do that. Most of those guys on that list are guys that are literally swim-moving themselves away from a guy or they're using their speed to outrun a guy. Joey Boza is actually moving these guys straight backwards with pure muscle and power. And he's only going to get stronger every year, and he's only going to get smarter every year. There was a game last year after we lost to the Chiefs when Tom Bahali was teaching him some cool tricks after the game. And... You can imagine that he's already thinking about this and practicing these tricks. And just imagine what he can be like next year when he uses those little swim move techniques that he was getting taught by Tom Lee. And, guys, I don't think that Joey Bosa gets the respect he deserves as a run defender uh, because he's just as good as a run defender as he is as a pass rusher. I mean, the guy's got crazy skills. He's a complete defensive end, a complete football player at his position. Uh, he's a, just a true technician. Yeah, and I think, David, it's hard to get that credit when the team you're a part of is so bad at what you're talking about. You know what I mean? I just When your team is last in the league and run defense, it's hard to single out one player and say he's really great at stopping the run. But, I mean, he had a lot of chase down from behind tackles this year. Teams running away from him. And I think, guys, the other part that gets overlooked is just his motor. And how many motor. of his sacks are not got with the first initial burst? It's him fighting, and when he gets stuck, he moves on to his secondary move. He just he never stops. I know there's you know 
memorable plays like a couple years ago with Brock Osweiler chasing him down and sacking him from behind when it looked like he was going to run for maybe a touchdown and definitely a first down. And, and just plays like that, plays along the sideline where he's forcing fumbles and keeping it inbounds to keep the game alive against the Cleveland Browns this year. He just has that motor that never stops, and he doesn't ever get bogged down when he gets stopped on his initial jump. And I think that's just something you really appreciate. And also, John, with what you're saying with Tom Bahali, just I think most guys would be too prideful to go and try to get that type of knowledge from a, I mean, an AFC West opponent. And I think that just shows you what kind of guy that Joey Bosa is. Is yeah, he does care about the Chargers and winning and his own teammates, but he also wants to be the best football player in the NFL. And you see that from him. He's not too proud to go learn tricks from some of the greats like Tom Holly, who I know has been washed up, but also was. I mean, a pain in our ass for how long? I mean, that guy was ridiculous. And I just, I love to see that from Joey Bosa. You always hear about the work ethic and the motor. And I just, I think those are some of the things that people don't realize. Unequivocally, man, I couldn't agree more. Uh, the motor is something that you want in every one of your players, uh, let alone just in Joey Bosa. So that's uh, somebody you want to model your play after. Uh, absolutely. So, I mean, that wraps it up for the NFL Top 100 uh, for the Chargers. But uh, I honestly think there was at least one guy that uh, should have been on this list, uh, and that's uh, the running back, Melvin Gordon. Uh, over 1,100 yards rushing uh, to go along with 58 catches and 473 yards and four TDs through the air. I think he put up some really good stats. I think at times last year he was a pure catalyst for the Chargers. I feel like the offense went through him, and if he wasn't doing well, then the offense wasn't doing well. I feel like his play last year was critical to the success. Yeah, I mean, I think we could all agree that it's not like we thought Melvin Gordon should be in the top 20 of this list or even in the top five running backs. And to just set the record straight, there was 10 running backs that made the list, and the ones right in front of him, are the ones that he could be compared to most. He's not Le'Veon Bell. He's not Todd Gurley. He's not Alvin Kamara. But, I mean, when you see guys like Leonard Fournette making the list, Devontae Freeman, I mean, he's a pretty good back with a good running mate, so I could see how you could say that. But, I mean, 865 yards, seven touchdowns, 36 catches. And then Carlos Hyde was number 97 with 938 yards rushing and a 3.9 average. And that's the thing that makes me the most mad is because people see the 3.9 average for Melvin Gordon, which is tied for his career high, but is not going to push anyone to be like, wow, that's a great running back. He only averages 3.9 yards per carry. But, I mean, when you have two other guys in Fournette and Carlos Hyde who both have less yards than him, and with that same average of 3.9, that, that part is a little confusing to me. And the other part is what he does as a receiver. Like you said, the 58 catches, and not just the 58 catches, the four touchdowns as a receiver. I mean, Carlos Hyde had 59 catches. Guess how many touchdowns he had? He had zero. It's not easy for a running back for where they catch the ball, and especially the depth of where they're getting it out of the backfield, to score touchdowns. And Melvin Gordon knows how to put the ball in the end zone and is a complete running back, and that means he also catches the ball out of the backfield. That's the part that gets me. I don't know if Melvin Gordon is a top 100 player in the NFL, but when you're talking about some of these running backs in front of him, guys, 
I think that you could definitely make a case for him to be there to replace him. Uh, I believe he should not be on the list. I don't think he's a top 100 player in the NFL right now. But as Wade said, some of the running backs on there, I do think he should have been ranked above. There's a running back on this list that didn't even make the list, and that is Jordan Howard from the Bears, who I believe is better than both Melvin Gordon and some of those guys on the list. And his numbers show that. But yeah, he didn't even make the list at all. He wasn't even He's not even 99 or 100. He's off the list. Carlos Hyde is above Jordan Howard. It's kind of confusing to me to see how some of these guys are on here. I can understand Leonard Fournette being above Melvin Gordon because with the the stats that Leonard Fournette put up, he did that with three less games than Melvin Gordon. But Carlos Hyde, Devontae Freeman, I don't really see those guys better than Melvin Gordon, but yet they're still on that list. I don't know if it's because of the, the teams they play on or because of their name, but I really don't get how you can leave Melvin Gordon behind Carlos Hyde. It, we, freaking Carlos Hyde, for God's sake, is not Melvin Gordon. Melvin Gordon has way better ability running the ball, way better ability catching the ball, and it has helped actually his team win more than Carlos Hyde has, but yet he somehow is still on that list. It's it's mind-boggling to me. And you talk, and Melvin Gordon could be so much better if he would just read the holes a little bit better. He tends to totally miss out on some holes and just try to run outside with his speed, which he's gotten better at. Because his first year in the league, he tried to do that a lot, and he would get swallowed up. But he's gotten better at it. He still needs to find some more holes. But if he just hit a few more holes this year and got a few more 40-yard runs, like I wonder if that could make the difference in him moving up. Because this was his first 1,000-yard season. And last year, he could have gotten... He could have gotten it, but he had 997 yards, and they decided not to play him the last game of the season because he was injured. So there's a lot of factors in my mind that can make me think why he was ranked below Carlos Hyde, but when you actually watch this guy in the field, he is better than Carlos Hyde. Well, and he, in all-purpose yards, John, he is above most of these guys when you're talking about receiving yards and rushing yards. And Melvin Gordon does miss the holes, and I agree with that. But at the same time, no one is confusing the Chargers' offensive line of 2017 with a good run-blocking offensive line, because it wasn't. Anthony Lynn promised to change the culture of it, and as much as he tried in the first four weeks when they went 0-4, they couldn't get the running game going. And my other big thing with Melvin Gordon is he just has to stop taking the tackles for loss in the backfield. You lose your coach's trust when you get a negative two-yard gain on first down and you set your team up with a second and 12. Those are the kind of plays that kill your average yards per carry when you have, you know, 20 runs on the season of negative yardage. So that's the one thing I would think for Melvin Gordon to get better at for him to really, you know, cement himself as a top running back or top 10 running back in the NFL. And I don't think it's too late, but at the same time, it's three seasons in now. I don't know how much we're going to see a change, you guys. I think the best we can hope for is that the offensive line in, pr- in front of him is better and makes him look better by default. And maybe some better play calling as well, whereas like in those first four games, we saw Phillip Rivers doing the read option handoff with Melvin Gordon. No one's going to get fooled and think, Oh, you know, Phillip Rivers might outrun us like a giraffe on the outside if he keeps this ball. So we might have to slow down and watch for this. They're going to swarm and tackle Melvin Gordon because if they get to Melvin Gordon first, they can just swim off of him and go sack Phillip Rivers, who's going to be running for his life because everybody's already in the backfield. 
Yeah, no, I think that's a good point, John, for sure. And guys, I think there's a, a couple of players on the Chargers right now that could make their debuts on the next NFL Top 100. What are some guys uh, that come to mind for you that has the potential to uh, make their debut on this list next year? I I believe German James could be on this list next year with the type of safety he has and the Chargers' need for a safety. I think he's going to have a big spotlight on him and that be, people are going to be paying attention to him. And with how he plays, I think he could be on this list next year. Right now, the guys that made the list this year are Earl Thomas, Harrison Smith, Micah Hyde, Cam Chancellor, Kevin Biard, Landon Collins, Malcolm Jenkins, and HaHa Clinton Dix. And one of those guys will not be on that list next year for sure because he is retired with a neck injury. That is Cam Chancellor of the Seahawks. He is forced to retire with a neck injury, so he will not be on that list next year. So that basically, in a way, says here's a spot up for grabs. Some of these guys are getting washed up as well. So you, you kind of think Thurman James has a chance to be on this list because Joey Boza was ranked 100 after his rookie season. But I think that's the problem with it, John, is Joey Bosa also had to be the defensive rookie of the year to get to number 100 on the list. And I think maybe if it was a quarterback, you could make that argument that, hey, there's a good chance he's going to be on the list. I mean, hell, we saw, what, five good games from Deshaun Watson got him pretty high up on the list, right? But I think with a position like safety, I think it's going to be a lot harder because it's a less dignified position. It's a less cared about position. So I think even though his play could result in deserving of that spot, I don't know if he's going to get it. I mean, just because Joey Bosa had to literally have one of the best Chargers rookie seasons of all time to have that. So that's a pretty high bar set by him. Well, right now the 100th spot is HaHa Clinton Dix. And number 96 is also a safety. Number 92 is a safety. Number 89 is a safety. So the lower guys tend to be all the safeties. And there's eight guys on this list that are safety. I think another guy on the Chargers defense that could show up on this list if he has a healthy year is Denzel Perriman. I think Denzel Perriman has all the ability in the world at middle linebacker. His only The only thing that holds him back, guys, is his health. I mean, when he's on the football field, he's a difference maker. He's that enforcer uh, in the middle of the defense. I feel like if we get 14, 15 games out of Denzel Perriman, that he could easily be on this list next year. And that's another hard one for me, guys, is just because how many middle linebackers are on the list? I mean, John, I know you went through all the linebackers and stuff. I think there's maybe five middle linebackers on this list. And that's just another hard position. And then the other part of it is Denzel Perryman is known for primarily one part of his game, and that's stopping the run. So now you're talking about a, a run-stopping specialist making the list, not a guy like Sean Lee. Not a guy like Luke Keekley that's going to be making plays in coverage as well. I think it's going to be an uphill battle for a guy like Perryman, even given a healthy season, to make that list. I don't think Denzel Perryman is going to be an NFL top 100 player. I mean, he, his play is great when it comes to stopping the run. He's a big difference maker. But I don't think these NFL players are going to vote for a Denzel Perryman when they can vote for so many other guys at that position. What about a Forrest Lamp? I mean, when he comes back, if he makes a big difference in the run game and the pass block, you think Forrest Lamb could be the top 100? Again, that is just... a really good question, John, because I don't really think there's even that many offensive linemen, period, on the NFL top 100 list. I don't think the big guys are getting 
very much love there, Daniel. Yeah, I mean, it's, yeah, the same point I've kind of been making is just those guys don't really make the list, even if it's deserved. I mean, I think you have to be one, I mean, probably a left tackle is the most obvious spot that you could make the list just because of the importance we place on left tackles covering the blind side of the quarterback. But I, I think, John, just in a short answer, he could be well-deserving of that and was thought about as the best offensive lineman in his draft. And, and I think that even if his play does deserve it, I don't think he'll get that justice from the, his peers. So I guess we're going to have to see how it shakes out, guys. Uh, but that's going to wrap it up for this show. Make sure and follow us on Twitter, guys. Uh, Locked on LAC. Uh, subscribe to us on iTunes, Google Play, wherever you get your podcasts. Uh, make sure and check us out. Uh, so for Daniel Wade and John Kegley, I'm David Drogemeyer, and we'll catch you next time. Go Bolts.